0: slamming he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing.
4: Good evening Grace fans, welcome
3: to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we break down this past weekend in racing. Uh, with me tonight is um, Mr. Gray Warren, Mr. Richard Uden, Mr. Joey Barnes, and Mr. Seth Eggert. How is everybody tonight?
0: Doing terrific, bud. Good, thank you. Doing good.
1: I'm okay.
3: All right. So um Joey, Joey's just okay. Yep. Joey's sad because Stan Lee passed away. I told him we wouldn't mention on the story, on the show, but we will. But uh, I, on a related note, um, we did lose a, a gentleman that was a racing legend this week. Uh, David Pearson, the Silver Fox, uh, passed away on Monday, uh, age 83. Uh, here's a guy who's a member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, here's a guy who's won 105 races, uh, three championships. He's won, uh, won the Daytona 500. He's won multiple Southern 500s and uh, multiple uh Charlotte 600s um and gray uh you, you've had the pleasure of um watching david pearson race um which uh, uh you know these other folks on the panel are, are a little too young to have uh been able to witness um this that guy in action so uh so uh you know gray some thoughts about um david pearson yeah
2: he had a he had a remarkable career and it was a remarkable driver uh you know i watched i watched him as a child a uh, uh, young boy of you know ten eleven twelve years old went to many races uh when was I, when I was a kid and 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 watched david Pearson race and I can say David was probably one of my heroes and one of my favorite drivers uh growing up and uh you know then he went to the Wood brothers which was always one of my favorite teams and and essentially rewrote the record books uh uh, he was written off after uh, you know uh, the 1970 season. Of course, that was a lot of turmoil in the sport. The factories were pulling out, and he lost his. And a lot of guys lost their rides and things like that. And he left Holman Moody uh, during uh, during the, those times and bounced around. And when the Wood Brothers needed a, a driver in 1972, he got the call, and the rest was history. He won 43 times between 1972 and 1979, driving for the Wood Brothers. And of those 43 races, I probably was probably witnessed him win well over half of those. And, um, you know, neat thing about this sport is, you know, I sat in stands as a, as a, as a kid and never in my wildest dreams would I one day, you know, work in the same garage area with these, with these men. And I had the pleasure of doing that with Pearson and his sons, later on and early in my career in the, in the, in the old Bush series, uh, David owned a car that his son Larry drove and his other two sons, uh, Ricky and Eddie worked, worked on the car and they competed in the Bush Grand National Series. And I think, you know, they ended up winning the championship Larry Pearson did in in, in 86 and 87 uh, driving uh, in a team owned by their dad. And it was kind of neat because you, you know, these guys that you, you grew up watching and, and, they were larger-than-life legends, and then you get a chance to work with them later on. And, I, and you know, I'll, I'll be forever grateful and, and humbled and proud that, you know, I got to do that. And uh, Pearson was a character. I mean, he was, uh, to me, in, in the discipline of stock car racing, they were, there was none better. He, uh, he was probably the finest driver uh, that, that I've ever seen in my lifetime, and, and the stats bear that out. He won 105 uh, races and 574 starts, and that's, that's just under 20% of the, of the, of the races that, uh, that he started. He, he actually, back in the day, you know, when there was so many races, uh, he only competed in, in, the, in, in better than 80% of the races only four times in his career, and he won the championship in three of those seasons. So that, that, that in itself is, is, is quite remarkable. Just, just a, a tremendously smart racer. Uh, he won it with, uh, you know, he had he had he had immense talent, but he had he just had a knack for uh, being able to to race. He was he was the ultimate racer. He knew what to do when he got in the car. And racing's changed a lot over the years, but you know, he was one of these guys. He and Richard Petty put on quite. Quite a show over many many years, and I think they they finished first and second to one another in sixty three or some 63 odd sixty three
4: straight races. races.
2: Well, sixty three races they finished one two in. Yeah, uh, over over their career. That's that's that's, uh, that's between two guys that really defined the sport in the uh, in the sixties and seventies. And uh, some of their finishes and some of their races were epic. Of course, you can go back to the 1976 Daytona 500, which is, in some people's minds, one of the, was one of the best NASCAR races ever.
1: And and, and that was
4: uh, Pearson's only Daytona 500 win. And in 1976, he won the quote-unquote NASCAR Triple Crown, mm-hmm. the World 600, the Southern 500, and the Daytona 500. Uh, he's one of the only drivers to ever do so.
2: Yep, and uh, you know, just it just goes it goes on and on. Some of the, the, the accolades and things that he did, and you know, it was um, just 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 a remarkable career for a remarkable man. Uh, and uh, it, it's it's sad that uh, we're losing some of these guys. Uh, and to me, he was part of the greatest generation, you know, in our sport. And a lot of those guys, and I'm not talking, I'm talking drivers and car owners and mechanics, the list goes on and on uh, of people that, and, and sadly, you know, father time's undefeated and we're going to lose more and more uh, of those, uh, of those guys. Now, uh,
4: now his nickname, Silver Fox, part of that came from uh, his previous nickname. He was the Fox, the Sly Fox, and, it became Silver Fox when his ha- uh, hair yeah. turned silver. Yeah. But the r- reason why is he would always uh, take care of his equipment to be around at the mm-hmm. end, essentially oh, yeah. to be the closer yeah. before we had Kevin Harvick the closer.
2: Yeah, but, you you, you know, back in those days, racing was was, was a lot different. And y- you can talk to Richard Petty, and, and, and I saw a quote from Richard not too long ago, and he was talking about how he and Pearson raced and actually, they, they never drove or never raced n- n- no faster than they had to to win the race. You know, they, that's, that was their style. They, they kept, kept their car in reserve. They kept themselves in reserve. And, of course, it was, racing was a lot different then. You know, the, the, cars were, the, the cars weren't as reliable as they are today, and, and, and those guys use guile and, 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 and their wits. Uh, to to win, you know, you're talking 305 races uh, between the two of them in their career, and that and that and that in itself is quite remarkable. But you know, getting back to what I was saying about, you know, a lot of the superstars and a lot of the the the, the guys that are in the Hall of Fame now, or uh, ones that we haven't that we haven't lost already, a lot of those guys are, you know, getting up there in age. They're they're in their set late 70s, 80s, and some in their 90s. Um, and 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 slowly but surely we're gonna we're gonna lose that whole whole generation but we were talking today some friends and i were talking um at the race shop and you know we're talking about a lot of you know uh the great junior johnson is not in is not in 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 particularly good health and uh glenn wood is 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 93 years old a little bit frail but uh talking about some of these guys and and there's richard petty who's who at 81 years old was in texas uh, meeting with sponsors uh, for next year when he got the news of Pearson's passing. So you know, and and there's another remarkable individual in Richard Petty. Uh, he comes in, to, he comes over to RCR, and I swear when he walks across the shop, you can't keep up with him. He he walks that fast, and he's, uh, you know, and and one day we'll face you know the the loss of Richard Petty, and then you know you know all the icons essentially will be gone. But, you know for me someone like, i try, try to appreciate them while they're here try to learn from them try to listen to their stories uh and and, and just have them i love to sit down and just hear them talk about and tell their stories about how things were when they came up and, it, and it's it's a lot of fun to listen to those guys because uh it's it's a bygone generation
3: yeah that it is yeah the sport is entirely different now and um, you know i i like you, I, I love to engage uh, older racers in conversation, you know, whether they were uh, guys on a level of David Pearson or or just somebody who's started a couple races here and there. But every, everyone's got a story to tell. So now, now Seth, uh, you've got a couple more notes on just some of the amazing stats that David David Pearson has put up over the years. I mean, his his his, his record, you know, holds up uh, today is quite yeah. incredible.
4: Well, well three Southern 500 wins, uh, three. World 600 wins, three Winston 500 wins. Uh, he led the Cup Series in win totals in 66, 68, 73, and 76. He led the the Series in polls in 1964, 68, 73, 74, 75, and 76. Uh, he was the 1960 Rookie of the Year. And in 1960, he only ran half the races that season.
2: He won won the uh, won the world six hundred the first time as a young man in 1961 as a rookie,
4: and on three tires, if I remember. Yeah, correctly.
2: yeah, yeah. It was a late race. Late race. He had a had a right rear, left rear tire go and limped around the last couple laps to to win the race. One of the more remarkable things he took over the Wood Brothers car at Darlington in 1972 and won his first start with the Wood Brothers. I happened to be there that day when he did when he did. And that, that, that was that was quite a race on that particular day. But in nineteen seventy-three, his first full season with the Wood Brothers, he only competed in eighteen races that year. And he won eleven. That's sixty one percent of the of the races in that year. And that's that's still a still a high water mark mark for uh, winning percentage for a single season.
4: And not only that in those eighteen races, he only failed to finish four of them. And the reasons clutch, engine, rear end, and one crash, aside from those four races, he won eleven, like you said, finished second in three others, and third in that fourth one.
2: How about that? I mean, that's just it was remarkable because I tell you, I was a Pearson fan, no doubt. And when you went to the when you went to the race, you always want your favorite driver to win. But I can tell you during that streak between 1972 and 79 when you went to the race and you were you 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 put your pearson gear in more more times than not you were going to walk away from that racetrack a happy camper because pearson was was going to win the race and you know back in those days I traveled around quite a bit as a, as a fan and, and had the opportunity to 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 see him win uh, many of the races that he won at Darlington and Charlotte and Rockingham and a lot of the other places I traveled to Talladega and traveled to Pocono saw him win races there uh just you know just just a remarkable driver and I mean he come along at a time uh, where where he just showed his mettle week after week and uh uh I mean that that he got the name Silver. He earned that name Silver Fox because he would uh, he was a tremendous qualifier. He get he he'd win the pole, qualified near the front, and then he would just drop back and ride. And then there, with within a hundred miles of the end of the race, there he shows up again and, and goes off and, and takes off and has plenty left in reserve, you know, of his from him, of the car and himself, and and end up winning the race. So um, yeah just a remarkable career us, you know, he's going to be missed. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's one of my all time favorites.
3: Yeah, he certainly will be missed. Um, and, and just, uh, the outpouring of, uh, you know, comments from, uh, folks involved in the sport, you know, drivers and team owners and whatnot. has just, uh, been pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. But, uh, but our thoughts are with, uh, his family and those that knew him best. So, but, um, speaking of record books, um, we're heading into championship weekend, um, in uh, homestead in a week's time and we uh somebody else is set to add their name to the records book as a uh, cup champion our championship four is now settled with um the big three you know kyle martin and kevin uh joined by joey loganos so we've got uh three guys who are all champions uh within the era of the playoffs and uh joey logano who's uh uh, runner-up once, um, I believe 2016, uh, he's come close looking to uh, uh, get
2: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky
0: just about anywhere
1: This is your captain speaking uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky
2: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and
1: conditions apply. See website for details.
3: The cup uh, for the first time. So honestly, no surprises in that final four. Um, But um, it, it didn't look, it wasn't as easy as it, as it, uh, for all those guys is harvick had a bit of a tough day we had several guys with tire issues so uh seth gray why don't uh, you guys take us through some of the the ups and downs uh, and the ebb and flow of the the race in phoenix
2: there yeah i mean it it you know everybody's predicted the big three would get there all year and and joey logano was the first one to bust the break into that party with his win at martinsville a few uh, a few weeks ago and then we kind of had to go in and, and see how Texas and, and Phoenix were gonna were gonna unfold, and, and of course Texas kind of went true to form. We kind of figured Harvick was gonna was gonna win that race, and then we all of a sudden found out that he slapped with a with a major penalty for using an unapproved spoiler at uh, at Texas, and his win does not count to help him transfer automatically into the final four. So then we said, okay, well he's going to go to he's going to go to Phoenix, and he proved that you know he could do it because he uh, he uh, pretty much uh, dominated practice and won the pole and dominated all but the last several laps. Of the first segment when he had a tire issue that uh, had it not been for the competition caution coming out at the end of the uh, stage, uh, he would have lost two laps. As it was, he lost one lap and had to rally from one lap down. And, and was was I had a strong enough car to do that, but uh, his uh, his road to um, to get back into contention was uh, w- was a little bit difficult because he had uh, other contenders like his teammate Kurt Busch and then and, and Chase Elliott who were pretty close uh, to to where they could uh, you know had things gone different for either one of those two drivers they could have pulled the upset and knocked... Uh, and knocked Harvick from the uh, from the final four. Uh, Kyle Busch went into that race with uh, with a, with a pretty good uh, uh, in position as far as points. All he had to do was just run a steady a steady day, and he he would uh, he would he could he could transfer easily. And it was a good day for Kyle Busch. Uh, he ended up uh, running near the front and then late in the race, or uh, well, past halfway, was able to capitalize and. Uh, and run good and, and, and win the race and punched his ticket automatically to it. Uh, the seventy eight car another story. He had to kind of come from the back and kind of and and, and kind of had an up and down kind of day, but had a solid enough car to where he could uh, where he could maintain the points that he had garnered in earlier rounds and was able to was able to transfer. But it was a it was an eventful race. A uh, lot of question marks there until the late. You didn't know who was gonna. Who was going to be able to uh, transfer? Who you not? Know, so it was a lot of drama, but uh, kind of unfolded kind of like we thought it would be. And now we've we've got the, the final four set going to Miami, and uh, I think it's a uh, I think it's a good final four. I think you got probably if you had to go uh, on favorites. I know Vegas puts uh, puts Harvick and Kyle Bush as the favorites, with uh, uh, Truex next, and 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 Joey Logano the the, the fourth pick. So uh, we'll have to see how it goes. I kind of like, uh, uh, I kind of like Kyle Bush to, uh, to ride the momentum of his, of his win at Phoenix and, and, and pick up his second uh, championship.
3: Absolutely. And yeah. now Seth, um, you and I were talking earlier off the air. We had, there were several guys with tire issues. Um, we talked about Harvick, but they were all, all on Fords, Correct.
4: Correct. And it was interesting, uh, NBC, the broadcast team, they kept uh, putting the blame on drivers going down, cutting the dog leg on what's now the front stretch. However, if that were the case, it doesn't make sense that the only teams that were affected throughout the entire weekend were Ford teams. Clint Boyer, that eliminated him from uh, any chance of getting to Homestead. Uh, Joey Logano, if he hadn't won at Martinsville, he wouldn't be going to Homestead with a chance for the championship. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Paul Menard in practice. Uh, every driver that lost a tire in the Cup Series, lost uh, that, that loss, it was a Ford.
2: And it was left rear.
4: Except for Harvick, it was a right front.
2: Right, right. Well it, it uh, you know it, I think probably was coincidence. I do know that a lot of the guys that did were going were using the going and cutting the dog leg on low air pressure, which uh, which seemed to probably damage which the people theorize it damaged the sidewall on the, on the uh, on the tire, particularly on the ones that suffered left rear failure. It's hard to say, I mean I think maybe the Ford thing was somewhat coincidence because if you look, all all of those cars ran ran pretty well, and uh, Randy could have been could have been something they all got together on and shared some information on on air pressure. Any number of things could have happened uh, with that. So uh, yeah, but it, but it was unusual that it was you know all Ford teams that had had that issue. But I'm not going to read a read a whole lot into that.
4: And one other note that I just want to say, and this is about Kyle Busch uh, earlier this year. He became the first driver to win on every single track, and that was back at Charlotte when he won the Coca-Cola 600. That was combining wins from both Hendrick and Gibbs, and his time between Chevy and Toyota. His win this weekend, he has now won at every single track in a Joe Gibbs racing Toyota.
2: And that that is quite remarkable too, and that was his 194th win across all three NASCAR series. He has fifty one truck wins, fifty one uh, uh, cup wins, and ninety what, ninety four uh, Xfinity wins. So somewhere that's, that's is that right? 90, 92 or ninety what is it in, in in uh Xfinity? I forget what it is, but it's hundred and ninety four uh, wins across the three 92. series. Ninety two Xfinity wins, that's it. Yeah, so um, quite quite a remarkable statistic as well for 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 Kyle Bush when we just talked about you know Richard Petty and David Pearson with their with their three hundred and five uh, Cup wins. Of course, obviously the Truck Series and the and the Xfinity Series did not exist back then when when at the height of their career. But you know you got to look throughout most of the most of Richard and David's career, the Cup Series. Um, you know, consisted of uh, 50, 60 races in a season until 19, uh, until seventy-two, when uh, R.J. Reynolds came along and cut, and along with NASCAR cut the schedule back to 30-some races a season. So what Kyle Busch has done in his career, and I believe he's only 33 years old, uh, quite remarkable. And, uh, you know, obviously he's a no doubt future Hall of Famer as well.
3: Certainly, yeah. So uh but um so let's uh so we've talked about Kyle Bush a little bit, okay? Now uh Joey and or Richard, I wanna bring one of you guys to the conversation and let's uh let's talk about our championship four, okay? So Richard, I'm gonna throw you the name Martin Truex Junior. Um what 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 do you like, what do you don't, uh what do you feel like Martin's chances are and then Joey, you'll get to talk about Mr. Kevin Harvick.
0: Oh, okay. Martin Truex Jr. It's been an you know interesting season for those guys. Obviously, that you know the, the the big news is that they're they're pulling out at the end of the season, so this is their swan song race for for Furniture Row Racing. But it's been a little bit hit and miss really for Truex. You know, he's had a you know the one a number of five races, the won this year. Um, but it's, it's certainly a very different feel from when they won the championship last year in terms of the dominance. Even though the numbers are, are similar in terms of race wins, uh, you know, really this year, you know, the Fords have sort of stepped up to, to put it to the Toyota. So, in a way, from a, a fairy tale perspective, it'd be great to see them win and go out on a high. Um, I I don't know whether they'll get it quite done this uh, this weekend. I think they're going to have to. Re- I think if if the top four all performers expected and nobody has a you know a crazy race with some bad luck, um, I think the odds that you know Gray was talking about earlier with uh, Kyle and, and Harvick being the favorites is probably going to stand true.
3: It's a good point. Yeah, I mean uh, Truex has not been particularly strong here at the at the. The, the waning end of the season here. I, don't, no. I, believe, I, believe, I believe he's only won one race in the playoffs or, or has he won any Seth?
4: He ha- has not won since Sonoma or sorry, Kentucky. Okay. okay so he, has, he hasn't
0: won a playoff. How, any, how many races has he won this season? Four. 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 Okay. So, I mean, okay. it's still a pretty yeah. damn good season, but it, you know, how many races did you win last season? Seven, right? Eight? Yeah. Seven. So well, it's seven not because he won the finale. Yeah. So it's so you know it's it, the most he can win this season is five compared to seven. So it's not like you think. Where he wins five, he wins seven. It's still a pretty good season. There yeah. just hasn't been that sort of indestructible well, he, sensation. I mean, I know he led more laps than you know the number of laps he led last year was pretty dominant he, in itself.
2: Yeah, they haven't had the dominance that they had last year overall. But, but I think, and Richard, you hit the nail on the head. The, the the emergence of the Ford teams this year with with uh, Harvick and and, and the uh, Stuart Haas uh, crowd and and and, um, and Penske have taken a little bit of the uh, wind uh, out of their sails, but uh, still still a good year. He's had he's had races where he has been dominant, just not the overall dominance that he displayed on the mile and a half tracks last season.
3: So, yeah, but
2: still still a formidable. Uh, foe to to go into uh, the final race. Oh, for you sure. Know.
0: But it'll, you almost get the feeling that when he's won this year, and yeah, they have dominated races. You almost get this, you know, feeling in the back of your mind. In the same way that when other people won races last year, it was because the Fords didn't work out right, right. rather than they were dominant. You know, in the same way last season when other guys won, it wasn't because they did well; it was because trucks slipped up. This year, you know, you get that feeling. It's because Harvick slipped up.
2: Right, and, you know, there were several races last year. We talked about, you know, uh, Truex wins seven races last year. There were several uh, uh, several occasions where he had the dominant car, and for whatever reason, you know, a tire failure or uh, a, yeah. a snafu on pit road kept him from, from – he could probably have won uh, nine or ten last yeah. year. So, yeah, he was that dominant.
3: Absolutely, yeah. So, now, Joey – um I'm, I'm giving you kevin harvick to discuss um he's uh pretty much most folks are calling uh, harvick the favorite uh he's been tough to beat week in week out i mean even uh, even on the races he hasn't won he's been uh pretty darn solid so man you say it's uh it's a good call to put all my money on uh, number four uh
1: i'm I mean, among the four that are there, certainly I like Kevin Harvick's chances the best, but I think the biggest impact there is losing Rodney Childers for the race. Uh, and I don't think that's something that can be overstated enough is that loss because Rodney Childers is, I mean, he's the best in the business in my book. Uh, right now, I think he's probably the best crew chief in the entire garage. Uh, even over a Chat Canals, so a Paul Wolf, um, any of those guys right now, I'd want Rodney Childers on the box. But-
2: Good. Good point, because he's got a handle on on these cars as they exist today.
1: Yeah, I think there's something to be said for Stuart Haas as an organization. I mean, and it says a lot about Kevin Harvick, too. Like, they come in with a Chevy package in 2014, and they light it up. And every year, we've always looked at if Kevin Harvick gets there. No matter what's going on in the world, Kevin Harvick's the favorite. And I feel like it's every year that we're discussing the finale and if harvick gets there he's the favorite and i it's funny now here we have an opportunity to see what they could do with the different manufactured and to repeat what they did in 2014 but there's so many different this is the first year that i can recall seeing it where we don't have a pure cinderella in in the sport uh, in the final four because harvick he's already a champion he's already solidified himself as a champion um kyle bush has the championship but you know got in because NASCAR kind of approved it, even though he was injured. And there was, and in some ways it was kind of fluky gimmicky in my book. And so this is a good yeah. way for Kyle Busch to legitimize his championship that he earned a few years ago. Uh, Joey Logano, is he going to be a future champion or the next Denny Hamlin? And then, you know, the other end of that with Martin Truex Jr. If Furniture Row goes out and wins his championship, how do you answer that question? If you're NASCAR that you let a, two-time championship winning team walk out of the sport. Um, so there's a lot of questions that come with this finale on who takes it and who doesn't. But, uh, you know, there's, I think the other valid point to this whole thing on why Harvick is a good, good pick for this weekend, regardless of Rodney Childers not being on the box is I'm not going to say that. How do I say this nicely, uh, without getting into too much <laughs> trouble? Um, I feel like you can push the envelope, and, you know, it's one of those attitudes of, I dare you to take a championship away from me, because that right there is something historical that we've never seen. It's like, we don't think, you wouldn't expect NASCAR to make a call in Phoenix of who's going to be in the championship for, like the penalty that you saw in Texas with Harvick and that I wouldn't expect, regardless of anything, to see that kind of an impact made after Phoenix, and I damn sure don't think that we're ever going to see something like that made after Homestead. So if you want to push the envelope in Homestead, I certainly think you do. And, I mean, mile and a half, you got to like Harvick's chances, but this isn't a D-shaped oval. Um, And I think to that end, it could work out in Truex's favor to some degree because at the end of the day, You still got all your stuff from last year. You were the dominant car last year, a quick car last year. Uh, So who's to say that they haven't kept one car in reserve that they've been just holding on to, waiting for this specific moment to make sure that they can just unload everything they got into this race. So to go and make that point for Richard on on Truix, that's all well and good, but I'm going to stick with the mile-and-a-half master this year with Harvick. Uh, I don't see how he can be beat this weekend personally.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's a role. It's essentially a role reversal from from last year, Harvick versus Truex. Because we, you made a good point where you know uh, Harvick's going in with a lot of confidence and daring people to, to to take it take it from him. He feels like it's his championship there to, to take. And and Truex went in last year with the same same mindset. You yeah, know, I, and they went in, they went in on high. And and it's it's you know he went in and said, hey, this is my championship. You got to come take it from me.
1: I think the one thing that works against this whole scenario is the fact that we don't run Homestead at all during the season. And so if there's one thing that works against Harvick, he didn't also, another note on this, he doesn't have his car chief either. Like both car chief and crew chief were suspended. So it's a situation where, you know, when you're you're talking about, you know, tire data and and stuff from practice, stuff that you're going to try to move forward with for the race, stuff that's vital to, to what you learn Friday and Saturday, you're going with a little bit less but let's be honest here Stuart Haas racing they got God some depth. depth over they got a yes, lot sir. of depth over there so um I'm interested to see if this plays out because we all heard this past weekend people talking to Kyle Bush you know hey maybe you should have let Almirola win that race because you know you don't have to deal with Harvick in the finale and I mean Kyle Bush Kyle Bush he wants to go win the race and you know what if he shouldn't be intimidated at all by anybody because if he were to let Elmerola win, then I'm questioning, well, are you afraid of him? Like, yeah. So we're about to seriously get the kind of slugfest we've been waiting for. And with the mile-and-a-half package that's coming next year, I think we should all just kind of savor and enjoy this weekend because there's no telling what we're going to see next year out of these mile and a half. So um, I encourage everybody to get in front of a TV or get to the grandstands and enjoy this one for what it's worth because we got yeah. the four best drivers this year. Yeah, you know, this will be, be a good one.
3: Yep. So, and speaking of the fourth driver that we haven't touched on, Joey Logano, who's he's only won twice this year, but he's been consistently in the top five, top 10 all year long. He's had a lot of really strong finishes. He's been strong week in and week out, and he's he's been of the you know, of the uh, of the four. He's been the, the most outwardly aggressive one, uh, where he's you know, he got called out by True X and called out by somebody else. They don't like the way he raced races them uh but, but but here's a guy who's you know he's not going to give up you know he's gonna he, he's gonna he's gonna push the issue we saw that at martinsville he's gonna he you know he's gonna he, he's gonna do what he needs to do to win that race and he's uh he's the underdog he's got absolutely nothing to lose so seth seth what do you think on, on Joe legato legato his chances to kind of uh play spoiler for these uh for these big three
4: well it's almost kind of like he's trying to go for redemption because this is his third time in the playoffs, in uh, at least at Homestead anyway. He was in there at 20, in 2014. Car fell off the jack after he had one of the most dominant cars at Homestead, causing him a chance uh, that year. Uh, 2016, he ran in or had a run-in with Carl Edwards, ended Carl Edwards' day, caused enough damage to his car where he was able to Essentially, not keep up with Jimmy Johnson. That's what gave Jimmy Johnson his seventh championship. 2015, he lost his chance at Homestead after the Matt Kenseth fiasco at Martinsville. And last year, if it wasn't for that encumbered win at Richmond, whatever they lost at Richmond last year, they were out to lunch the rest of the season. So this is a little bit of a redemption, somewhat like a Cinderella story, but at the same time, He's kind of the most hated driver of the bunch when it comes to the fan base, other than maybe Kyle Busch. Yeah,
2: so, he wears a black hat for sure.
4: So it's going to be interesting. I think he has a good chance to win at Homestead, at least the championship, that is. But at the same time, he might need a little bit of help, maybe some bad luck for um, say, Harvick or Kyle Busch.
2: You know, in the in past years, we've always seen the championship four rise to the occasion and pretty much settle the race among themselves. We could have a situation this year where someone else plays a spoiler, wins. We've had spoilers win it before, but come well, where but this year have a spoiler come in and, and and take the race and have these guys settle it, racing for the next highest position uh, when I think of that I think of Kyle Larson who the last several years has had a dominant car there and had and, and, and capable of winning and so we'll just have to see uh, see what goes on I mean if anybody's due to win one this year certainly Kyle uh, Kyle Larson is due to pick up a win before the season finishes and- yeah I'm pretty sure if I'm not
3: mistaken I believe in each year since we've had this playoff format the the homestead winner has also been the champion. Is that correct? For the cup
4: series, yes.
3: Right, yes. right, yeah. and and yeah, we've got to we've got to save some time to talk about Xfinity too because they had a pretty good uh pretty good uh, race down there in Phoenix as well.
4: As did the trucks. Now. I- now, uh,
3: real, real quick, yeah, because uh, I don't, I want to save some time for Formula One too. But let's uh let's just go around and solidify our picks. Uh, um, Gray, you said you like Kyle Busch. You want to stick with that? Yeah. All right. Now, uh, Joey, you say you like Harvick. You want to stick with that? Yeah. Um. Now, Seth, who do you like?
4: For the championship, Joey Logano.
3: Okay. And then Richard. Harvick harvick and i'm gonna i'm gonna go with kyle bush as well so nobody's
1: picking uh, Truex. Uh, <laughs>
3: nobody's picking truex golly they, guy.
1: no guy. Re- gun guys they, got no respect
2: and before we before we
1: <laughs> j- jump away to do to,
2: to let seth give us a recap of xfinity and uh in the truck series Joey had a had a uh, comment here in in the in the chat and wanted to know if, if anyone in racing today reminds me of David Pearson in any way, and and of course racing has changed so much today. Now the races races back in those days were marathons and 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 they're more like sprints today and uh, really no holding back and you've got the stages and things like that. But I would say probably just out there today probably with just his smarts in the driving in the seat uh kevin harvick probably reminds me as much of david pearson today and just how he uh how he keeps himself in the race uh during it. jimmy johnson's pretty good too at, at but those two guys right there both of them use their use their heads a lot too and and uh and and rely on their experience to uh Dude, th- those two right there remind me more uh, uh, close to the same type of uh, driver as, as David Pearson was.
3: Good analogy, Gray, yeah. So, so Seth, um, Christopher Bell needed to win in Phoenix to keep his chances alive, huh? and he did just that. Um, Justin uh, Allgaier, different
4: story, huh? Uh, exactly, well, so. and for Christopher Bell, he did that in a lot more. He started 38th after not being able to clear tech prior to qualifying, and he was able to work his way through the field, and he dominated the race, leading just under half the race in total. Uh, He needed to win. He won the race, Justin Allgaier. There was a point which Allgaier could have made it in on points. Uh, He, Allgaier, won the first two stages, ended up getting into it with another driver and he eventually lost his brakes. Uh, At one point, Allgaier was limping around the track, laying the race with the right front brake caliber on fire. It was visibly on fire throughout the entire time and, uh, eventually went out, but he had no brakes and he was limping, just hoping for a caution, hoping that something would happen up front that would make it. So maybe Daniel Hemrick won or Matt Tift won, somebody who was already, in on points that would have allowed him to bump up ahead of Christopher Bell or uh, somebody else. Elliott Sadler also had an atrocious day. He had damage early on and ended up getting knocked out. Uh, the championship four in the experience series ended up being Christopher Bell, Daniel Hemrick for the second year in a row, Cole Custer, and Tyler Reddick. Cole Custer, if you remember from last year, he absolutely dominated Homestead. Led, I think, all but maybe five laps. Yes,
3: yeah, so th- this is going to come down to a, a bit of a barn burner, too, with that Homestead. You, you got four really good guys there, and then you have got other guys out there that could certainly play spoiler. You know, exactly. namely, n- namely, like, you know, guys like All Guy or Elliott Sadler, or even um, to, to a lesser extent, Austin Sindrick.
4: Exactly. And. Th- On top of that, you also have a few other guys like Ryan Priest, who he's running part time. He could be a spoiler. You have Ryan Truex, who his future is up in the air. He needs to make something happen. Ryan Reed, same situation. John Harneymancheck, same situation.
2: Uh, Uh, Let me let me inject one point today. I was over at Roush on Monday, and I was told that uh, they're shutting down their Xfinity operation. The 16 and the 60 will go away uh, next year.
4: That's interesting. Uh, I knew I had heard that they weren't planning on doing the same thing they did this year in the number 60, instead, having one full time driver. But again, the number 60 has been in instance in 28 of the 32 races so far this year, actually setting a record for the most. Incidents per race in a single season mm. for the Xfinity Series. That yeah. record, that there,
3: there, there's no trophy for that, right?
4: Right, and that record <laughs> uh, that record was previously held by Stephen Wallace, and that was in the 2009 season.
2: Wow.
4: All right. Yeah, so, but, um,
3: uh, go ahead.
4: Uh, for the Truck Series, it was a heck of a race at the end. You had Grant Enfinger who needed to win to get in. Uh, one restart at the end, he just didn't get that good of a start. Noah Gregson and Brett Moffitt made it three wide. Uh, Moffitt ended up clearing the, do- the two of them, went on to win. And Moffitt, he has had times this season, there was a question as to whether or not he was going to have a sponsorship for the next race, for the next two races, whether or not he was even going to make it to the track. Uh, Noah Gregson, he got in on points. If you remember at Pocono, he was so determined that to try to race, even though he was so sick, he ended up passing out uh, right before he went out to qualify. He ended up getting a waiver for that. Uh, You had Johnny Sauter, who he had already won at Martinsville, so he was in. Justin Haley ended up blowing an engine during the race, but he won... Thanks to Todd Gilliland's misfortune last week. So he's in and Matt Crafton, he just, it's just the end of a atrocious season for him. Uh, He hasn't won it all this year. He's going on, I think a 34 or 35 race winless streak now. And he actually ran a Ford engine, a Ford OEM engine instead of the spec engine this weekend to see if maybe that would help. And, The team just had issues the entire weekend with the engine.
3: It's a bummer. Yeah. So, all right. So who are the four, the championship four again in trucks?
4: Brett Moffitt, Noah Gregson, Johnny Sauter, Justin Haley.
3: All right. So we've got, uh, 12 guys going into Homestead, three champions coming out. Um, it's going to be a, going to be a big weekend of racing. I I want to shift our gears over to open wheel. Talk about formula one in a little bit here. Um, um for for the record joey's saying Moffat for the title Seth, do you want to do you want to pick an xfinity and a and a truck uh titleist before well, we move
4: on well for the trucks i'm saying brett Moffitt as well for xfinity uh i think i'll go out on a limb and say daniel
2: Hemric. daniel hemmerich okay Gray,
3: do you want to you care to pick champions for truck and uh xfinity
2: christopher bale and johnny Sauter.
3: Oh, all right and and um I know you're saying Moffat for truck, trucks. Who you like for Xfinity?
1: Christopher Bell, <laughs> a mile and a half at Joe Gibbs Equipment. Are you kidding?
3: Yeah, yeah. All right, Richard.
0: Uh, Bell and Soder, I think. No, Bell and Moffat. Bell and Moffat. Okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to
3: say I'm going to Bell and Moffat uh, for me. So, uh, so let's uh, turn our attention to Formula One, and before we start to talk about the Grand Prix. Um, Favorite Formula One diva Fernando Alonso has now made it uh, made it clear that he will be back at in Indianapolis in May uh, with McLaren. Um, McLaren says it will be uh, their own efforts; it won't be in a Andretti car with a uh, you know McLaren logo painted on the side there, uh, but it will be a McLaren entry. They also have said that they're not entirely um, against a second entry, although uh, Michael Andretti. Said says that they will be involved uh, somehow, you know, probably, you know lending technical support like it will be with Steinbrenner. So, uh, so Joey, um, I mean, what are you hearing about McLaren? They're gonna they're gonna bring a bunch of folks over from walking,
0: um, and they're saying they're not. Uh, well, where, the sorry, so, sorry, sorry, sorry. Where is it?
1: Well, it's walking.
0: Oh walking.
1: my good grief! Oh what?
3: my good grief! I took this slip road.
1: You said walking. <laughs>
3: I My did. goodness. Yes. Um,
1: Good job right. on the so, show. Joey, talk about McLaren. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, whenever I was in Austin a, a few weeks ago, I mean, they said that they didn't want full-time entry. Alonso didn't want full-time entry, neither did Zach Brown, uh, at least for next year anyway. Uh, they did still open the doors for the possibility of an Indy return, and as we heard in Brazil uh, this past weekend, they went ahead and confirmed that. And... You know, whenever I was talking to Zach Brown a couple weeks ago, he even said, when we come into IndyCar, we want to come in as McLaren Racing. Uh, Not necessarily a partnership, not anything like that. So it's not really a surprise to see that. I do think we're going to see two cars. The second car might be a partnered entry to some degree, I think. But, I mean, when you look at the the budget they have with F1, I, I think they can afford to go Indy car racing for at least the Indy 500.
0: Who'd be the uh, second driver?
1: That's that's the interesting question. I was kind of hoping personally that we would see a talent like Van Dorn give it a I, go.
0: That's exactly who I was going to think. Yeah, I yeah,
1: think there's still I mean,
0: some. I still think McLaren are. You know, you, you could see almost a caveat situation with with Van Dorn and McLaren there. I could see him coming back in the future, and I think they want to try and keep him close to their chest in a way. Yeah, I mean, because to
1: me, Van Dorn is top-tier talent. I mean, if you put him, he is he is maybe like five or seven years older than Charles Leclerc, but I, he has got close to the same talent level as Charles Leclerc, and, ta- and Leclerc is over at Ferrari so, um, for next year. So I think that when we look at this, though, I mean, Alonso's going for the Triple Crown. Let's not forget that... You know Juan Pablo Montoya is still somebody out there chasing the triple crown too, uh, folks. I mean he's he's just needs a Le Mans win and he he bags that and he's the other guy joining Graham Hill. So um, yeah, I think
3: that you know I almost would rather see somebody offer you know JPM a solid Le Mans ride, you know, and 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 see uh, see who gets it first, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean I, the the kicker here, though, I mean let's I think it's. How do I say this nicely? Uh, when oh, just we say Al- how you
3: made it, don't be nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when we saw what Alonso did uh, in 2017, that was in the a different arrow kit era, and he wasn't the preferred arrow kit. Uh, obviously, he's an immense talent. We already know that as far as as far as everything that he was given, it was the best that they possibly could give him to make sure that you know, because we all know that that no matter what. We have in racing, teams, etc. Drivers are really what everybody follows. Drivers are what makes sports what they are. And we know that at the end of the day, if Alonso bags the Triple Crown at Indy, that is a monumental moment in sports history. Not even motorsports, just sports history in general. And to have it happening at Indy on American soil is a huge deal for everybody involved here in the States. Uh, everyone with the series and everyone in motorsports that's been a part of Monaco and, and Le Mans. So to that end... It's massive, Uh, but that's why a couple years ago he was given the very best of the best, and that was only when he was one-third of the journey through. He goes and wins Lamal, he comes back around. This is the very last thing he needs. Um, I'm wondering how well he can adapt now to a new aero kit, to a universal aero kit. Um, You know, There's been talks about how some drivers would prefer to go run a – Tony Stewart said back in the – just I think it was a month or so ago. If he goes and runs Indy, he wants to go run a 500-mile race at Pocono first. And you know, you got to think that that's certainly smart to do when you think about how difficult the passing was for this car. I mean, there's some guys that can pass cars at will. Rossi certainly one of them. This is a different type of racing at Indy, and I'm kind of curious to see how aggressive Alonso is willing to be. Because if you're too aggressive in these things, you can get yourself in trouble. Uh, that said. As much as everybody's so excited about Alonso, I personally am super more excited about—if that's even a word—about um, McLaren coming in because I think this is just the first step towards a uh, full-time investment in IndyCar. Zach Brown's made no secret of his commitment to want to come racing in the states on a full-time basis because he wants to expand the McLaren brand. It's—he says it's important for all the partners that are involved, all the all the chairman, and to that end, I think that we're. Looking probably around the time that new rules uh, situation comes in, that we're going to have McLaren in on a full-time basis. So um, I'm excited to see it. Two full-time, two entries next year in the Indy 500 potentially, one for sure. Uh, Everything continues to go forward in the right direction with IndyCar, and I think if nothing else, this solidifies that we're going to have once again another bump day, and that's always fun.
3: Yeah, I was uh, figuring up the numbers. I, I think we may have as many as. 38 uh yeah. con- confirmed entries as of this point you know that's and then that's a solid number that's not that's not uh guessing those are so i mean you're gonna you're not just gonna have uh you know two cars on the sideline there's gonna be a couple it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty exciting month of may book your hotel now you <laughs> sorry know, you so. just said
0: you're not gonna have two cars bumped out you're gonna have a couple yeah
3: a, co- a couple more several Okay, is it? Are, you want to talk about racing, or you just want to correct my grammar and pr- pronunciation all night? <laughs> really, I mean, I mean, y'all giving me a complex here, man, making me feel bad about myself.
1: W o k i n g. There's uh-huh. no a l in there. I'm just yeah. saying.
3: Well, isn't that isn't that that show um, in about the zombies in England, The Woking Dead? Oh, st- 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 stay woke, oh, Frank. Oh, hey, okay, speaking of zombies in England, let's talk about. Uh, the Formula One race uh, down in Brazil. Lewis Hamilton taking his, uh, what, 112th win on the season? That's yeah. funny. It feels like, yeah. So, uh, it, But it was his uh, ninth, right?
1: I mean, this race was a good race. In general. It was a good race, yeah. yeah. So, um, take it, was take help, it through it, guys. It was helped by Esteban Ocon there, wasn't it, Richard? Esteban yeah. Ocon sure had um, fun. Goodness gracious. Uh,
0: yeah, it was... Um, you know, not his, uh, not the crowning glory of his, uh, in his career. He um, was interesting. You know, through the whole weekend, the tyre strategies that a lot of teams and that played out throughout the weekend. You saw Ferrari, um, you know, run a strategy qualifying where they went on the uh, soft tyre rather than super soft tyre for uh, Q two, which meant they could start on a different tyre from everybody else. Uh, and you had red bull sort of openly admitting hey look, we know we, we because of the uh, the configuration of the circuit You know, they knew they were never going to you know get on the front row of the grid so they openly turned around and said hey look we're setting our car up for the race and oh boy did it show um, you know their middle, their
1: middle sector was
0: incredible well, and that's <laughs> and, and that's you know fair place so the fair play, so they knew they were quick that you know you, they knew that's where they had the ability and uh, that they made it pay so you've got to um you, hey you've got to give these guys credit where uh, where credit's due they they did the business there um and you know people were saying oh you know it's a shame teams don't do that you know more often more people sent themselves up for race rather than qualifying trip well if you, everybody did that you would never <laughs> you'd be back to the same point you know you'd you'd never see any very vari- variation in the in the performance so I think it was good that they took that, uh, you know, through that sort of, um, you know, bit of a Hail Mary sort of thing, you know, go, go put all their eggs in one basket. And uh, it played out because it was a fantastic race, and a fantastic drive by uh, Verstappen to carve his way through the Red Bulls and then put, uh, put you know, put the pressure or, sorry, uh, through the Ferraris and uh, put, uh, you know, pressure on the uh, on the Mercedes like he did. And then, of course, you're just saying, what, you know, 20, 20 25 laps to go or whatever. Esteban Alcon had uh, come in and uh, changed onto the Super Soft tyres, which are by far and away the fastest tyre out there. And uh, he was sort of carving his way back through the field, and and came across uh, came across uh, uh, you know Max Verstappen in the lead there. And you know we will debate this. If we had longer, we'd debate it all night. I'm sure it, it was it was clumsy. Uh, I think the majority of the blame you know, sits on Ocon's shoulders, not all of it, far from it, I think that uh, Verstappen should have been aware, and not have the, the, I don't want to use the word arrogance, but, you know, think, well, I'm the leader, I know where I'm going to be, nobody else should be there, and it doesn't always work that way, but I think, and I don't know, they may have done, I, don't, I haven't heard any of the transcripts, but, um, you know, Red Bull should definitely have told Verstappen, hey, look, hands on a different set of tires to you let him through you know or at least be more aware of him don't pinch um, him in turn seven yeah um and and you see i you know also you know you, maybe a little bit of the, the blame lies and force into your shoulders they should have you know gone down the pit wall there and said to red bull hey look guys we're coming through here we're gonna be pretty fast so let your guy know just to." and the frustrating thing is Ocon could have just sailed past him into turn four. Uh yep. there was no need for him to do what he did where he did it. I don't have an issue with lapped cars and lapping themselves. Um but everybody's gotta be, you know, on the ball and playing, you know, playing playing fair and um
1: now we're gonna uh, get another the, are we gonna get the lucky dog in Formula One now? Because this no, is
0: No. No way. No, I think that's oh. contrived racing and I hate that. Um but I think um you know i i think he was unf- i think he was unfair on a, on on um verstappen i think you know the whole bitch slap or whatever it was that uh, verstappen pulled after the race was petulant and stupid and you know not even, not
1: even something that warranted public service
0: no but you know with the cameras on everybody and every you know i mean i wound him up a little bit didn't they i mean he apparently when verstappen turned around to him and said what the hell were you doing i turned around and said i was faster than you um <laughs> So, I uh, probably, you know, I can see how that would wind Verstappen up, but, you know, he he needs to. Um, if Verstappen's not careful, there's no real sort of, you know, I'll use the word bully boys in, in Form 1, but somebody could take him into a dark room and say, hey, sort this out. You know, don't do that again. Because no matter what Ocon did and what his mentality was, he shouldn't have done what he did. Um, yeah,
1: I, you know. I think the, the few points that I'll that I'll make before I know we're about to jump off here but uh, number one is uh, Mercedes locking up the Constructors title Uh, that happened this past weekend Um, they needed they needed to go ahead and do that uh, to keep it from going Abu Dhabi they did this is the third straight race weekend that I think Max Verstappen has driven absolutely beautifully Um, outside of that little issue that's not totally his fault he was still gaining ground on Hamilton despite a damaged board Um, uh, damaged floor I just he was gaining two three tenths a lap for the last 20 laps to at least make it interesting and then uh, my other thought is here we are again uh Kimi Raikkonen is out running Sebastian Vettel and has been doing that since the summer break and I'm just kind of it puts it in my mind is is this the right situation for Ferrari next year moving forward at Vettel and and Leclerc because and are you going to let Leclerc challenge Vettel? Because at this point, I think Vettel's somebody that needs to be shook a little bit. Um, that's just my opinion.
0: Well, you saw that at Red Bull, didn't you? When uh, you know Daniel Ricciardo sort of put him, you know, um, you know, sort of you know, upstaged him, basically. Um, you know, and uh, um, I think you know, I mean, basically, let's put it this way: you know, Friar, we're never going to keep racking and get rid of Vettel, were they? No. Um, yeah, you know, it was never going to happen. And, uh, you know, maybe part of, you know, Raikkonen's upturn in performance has been, you know, pressures off to a certain extent. You know, he's not having to sort of fight for his, his drive now, and he can just go out and do what he enjoys doing. You know, you can quite easily see that in, in Kimmy's personality. You know, he doesn't care. You know, he could go out there and run, you know, 15th all race, and if he's enjoying himself, he, he's not going to be bothered. Um, so... Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens next year with Leclerc. But I think, uh, yeah, I think if Leclerc sort of steps up to Vettel, I could see, you know, Vettel sort of jump into a Mercedes or something. You know, as soon as the, you know, he doesn't like to hang around if he's being beaten by a teammate. The
1: uh, the final news that came out for the F1 weekend are, are two separate things. Number one is uh, Formula One is not being coy about telling historical tracks that hey you need to step up your game. We're not obligated to give you a date. Uh, So if you're upset, you know, tough, find a way to fix it. Uh, Secondly, F1 is officially going to Vietnam uh, in 2020. So uh, that stage has been set already. They've already got the track layout in mind. And um, so, yeah, we're going to be in some ways, i look at it as replacing Malaysia um, in some degree. So, uh, you know, it's it'll be good. We get a street course again, and, and F1's going to Vietnam.
3: All right. Yes, and we uh, yeah, we covered that last week a little bit, too. So, uh, But anyway, until next week, so Formula One has a, a week off, and then we're uh, um, on to the season finale at Yaz Marina on the weekend, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, but for tonight, we are out of time, so I want to thank you, uh, Joey and Richard, for your Formula One segment. Uh, Gray um, and Seth, thank you for the for all the NASCAR news today. Um, and I want to thank Hoobazoo uh, Radio Network, and I want to thank iHeartRadio. And lastly, I want to thank all you folks that listen to us week in and week out. Um, we'll talk to you one week. Good night.
1: Whoobazoo that's in your website. Enter Hat- website. In your website. <FromX3> yeah. your website. <listeners>